You are listening to the Bottom Line podcast where those living with or beyond bowel cancer as well as health professionals involved in bowel cancer treatment and care share their inspirational stories and lived experiences with host and bowel cancer survivor Stephanie. Cancer diagnosis is difficult, frightening and emotional at any stage. However, can you imagine being diagnosed with bowel cancer when you are just five months pregnant? On this episode of the Bottom Line podcast, Kate Fitzgerald opens up about her harrowing nine months, how she was ignored multiple times despite obvious bowel cancer symptoms and a family history. Honest and emotional, Kate chats about the moment she was diagnosed, the shock and despair she felt and the possible ramifications she needed to process for her and her baby, termination, miscarriage, before the cutting edge surgery that saw her unborn baby and womb taken out of her body while her surgeon removed the tumour, followed by the joy and utter relief when she delivered her miracle baby, Ava, months later. Kate, welcome to the Bottom Line Podcast. Thank you very much. It's nice to be with you. Now, you were five months pregnant when you were eventually diagnosed with bowel cancer. Firstly, you successfully delivered a little baby girl earlier in the year. How are you doing and how is she doing? Great. Yeah, we're both going really well. Ava is now five months old and she's your typical, very healthy and happy five-month-old baby. And I've recovered really well from my operation, both my cancer Uh, and also the cesarean that I had with Ava as well. So we're both really just enjoying this break and really sort of getting to know Ava and, yeah, just enjoying being healthy, to be honest. Yeah. Can you then talk us through the lead up to your diagnosis? What symptoms were you experiencing? Pretty classic bowel cancer symptoms, actually, now that I know. (laughs) So I was experiencing blood within my stools. I was experiencing constipation and also diarrhea. I was uh, particularly fatigued, so very tired. And also I was experiencing weight loss as well. So, yeah, so very classic sort of bowel cancer symptoms that were very mixed up with also very classic uh, pregnancy symptoms, essentially. How long were you experiencing those symptoms? The symptoms started for me at about two and a half, three months when I was pregnant and continued on for about another two months until I received my diagnosis. And so in the first couple of months, I was actually quite well. I didn't have morning sickness or anything like that. And then I started to get really, really quite sick. And that's when I began to visit my GP. I also went to a specialist gastroenterologist. I had multiple tests done, both of stool and blood tests. I also presented to emergency department. So quite a lot of interaction with the health system between two and a half months and diagnosis at five months. Something that when we were talking and you mentioned to me, you know, you were even told by a health professional, just go away and eat more fibre. At what point were you diagnosed with bowel cancer? 
So it was the second time that I presented to the emergency department. I was at home with my partner and I'd had another significant episode of diarrhea with quite significant blood loss. And I was just, every time I was having one of these episodes, I was then, they'd sort of go for like 12 to 24 hours and then I'd be absolutely wiped out for, you know, a couple of days afterwards. I'd barely be able to eat. You know, I was really just sort of uh, trying to take shakes and stuff and I'd been told to take Metamucil and Benny Fiber and all of that sort of stuff. So I was on every single thing you could possibly imagine to try to, well, A, fix it, but also try to at least have some energy because I was also working full time at this stage as well. And I just said to my partner one morning, I said, something is not right here. You know, Metamucil is not doing anything for me. I, I just, there's something not right. And I, I just really felt that it was now becoming quite critical. I was very concerned about the baby and I was, you know, didn't have any energy myself either. So, you know, I, I was not in a good place health-wise either. So we presented to Royal Melbourne Emergency Department where I had been two weeks previously. Mm. I had gone to hospital on that occasion because I wanted to, get some fluids basically because I was very very dehydrated due to the loss through diarrhea and blood and so I simply wanted a bag of fluids actually and they wouldn't even give me that I was dismissed wow and sent home this time when I went my GP had lined up for me to see both the gastro team from Royal Melbourne but also the prenatal team out of Royal Women's Hospital as well. So the sense was that I wouldn't leave until, you know, we had a proper diagnosis. Sorry, Kate, was at any point bowel cancer discussed? No, never. Did it cross your mind at any point? Prior to this? I remember saying to my partner about a week before, I was like, God, what if it's cancer? And and we both just laughed and said, it's not going to be that, like, don't be dramatic. And I didn't Google anything like that. When we got into the hospital system and everything, you know, the initial advice that I was receiving from the doctors was that it would be something like Crohn's disease. It could be irritable bowel syndrome. There was just never, ever, ever any discussion with me about it being bowel cancer, which is very concerning because I have a family history of bowel cancer and I had very classic bowel cancer symptoms. As we'll go through this podcast, we will touch on some of those things, but symptoms and family history, when you're talking to a GP, you and I both now know in hindsight that they are key indicators for bowel cancer, but it's concerning that that level of awareness, even at a health practitioner point of view sometimes, is dismissed, particularly when you're young, female, and in your case, pregnant, which we'll talk about. So it's one thing to be diagnosed with cancer, as we've just said, but to be diagnosed with cancer while you're pregnant adds this added layer of complexity, both emotionally and health-wise. What went through your mind when you were diagnosed? It was shocking. It's still quite difficult to go back to that moment when the surgeon and his team came into our room and my partner was just about to leave for the afternoon after being there all day and we, you know, they said, thank God you're still here and they said it's cancer and it's a a significant tumour. And we, at that stage, they were not sure whether it was in the colon or in the rectum. So they were quite concerned about the placement of the tumour, but it was the size of a baseball. And wow, it 
was, you know, immediately advised to me that I would need immediate emergency surgery in which to remove the tumour. It was just pure shock that it was cancer and because we knew nothing about it, bowel cancer, I suppose, more generally, just this immediate fear about both the baby and also me. Like I think we were we were presented with a very, very dire case on, and that was on a Friday afternoon at about sort of three or four o'clock in the afternoon, which is the worst possible time to die. So you're left with that over the weekend? Nothing, and nothing happens, you know, really. It was the worst weekend of my life. Oh. We just, you know, we got the cancer diagnosis and then basically I was in hospital over the weekend because my symptoms were so bad at that stage. And we really had to wait until Monday to do an MRI and figure out more. But because they didn't know the placement of the tumour, there was, you know, the potential that I had to undertake radiotherapy, which would have been fatal for the baby. Chemotherapy, there are more options. Uh But we were told that we would need to be thinking about miscarriage termination and really just my sort of my health then as well so it was a very very difficult weekend to try to sit with all of that but also not to get too far ahead of yourself which is what they say you know one day at a time and all the rest of it but very hard to do when you're presented with that and 48 hours I imagine felt like a lifetime yeah, yeah, it was really tough. And my family's interstate in New South Wales. And so we were also impacted, obviously, by COVID and the COVID restrictions and travel restrictions at that time as well. So my mother was able to come down and we were able to get an exemption for her to travel down to Melbourne. But you know, I wasn't able to see, you know, my father or my you know brother or sister or the rest of my the rest of my family. So it was very difficult and very isolating those first couple of days, definitely. You've touched on it. Emotionally, this would have been incredibly taxing, not just for you, but also for your partner. How did you tackle those feelings once you found out what the prognosis was? How did you then proceed? So once we went through the initial sort of diagnosis on around about the Wednesday, so sort of five days later, I suppose we had a diagnosis that it was in the colon. So that was really positive and that they were able to operate and that based on the MRI that I had had, that it hadn't yet spread to any other major organs. So that was positive. But I needed to have the emergency surgery due to the risk of it blocking my bowel, creating creating significant risk for, for the baby and I. And so I was required to undergo then open surgery and also have a colostomy bag installed as well. So that was that was really the only option on the table. The alternative was to not undergo that surgery and, you know, the risk then to sort of Ava and myself was quite significant as a result. But it meant being pregnant, the difference for me, I suppose, if I hadn't have been pregnant, I would have been able to have keyhole surgery and not have a colostomy bag. Mm. But because of the baby and the surgery that they had to perform, I had to have open surgery. So I've got sort of a 35-centimetre incision. 
and the colostomy bag. So that was the that was the trade-off. <laughs> so, and yeah, you yeah. and I have chatted about bags. Wasn't the bag either of us wanted to have. And we'll come to your bag in a little while. But we often forget about the partner sometimes when we're having a baby. But in this situation, it was baby and cancer. Yeah. How did he cope? Phenomenally. And unfortunately, my partner's mother died of cancer earlier last year. So it was very raw, I think, for us Mm. in terms of the impact of cancer within families. And I think for my partner, it was very shocking, I think, for him that I had been diagnosed with cancer. And I know that he was very frightened, I suppose, about both losing me and the baby and But we just really were able to support each other incredibly well through, you know, through the last, I suppose, you know, 12 months of it. And I think, you know, I really wouldn't have been able to do it without him. He was, you know, always there and was just this sort of constant positive presence for me through all of the diagnosis and the treatment and the recovery And then the joy that we also had with welcoming our little baby and, you know, we were juggling, you know, other commitments of I have two stepchildren and, you know, work and, you know, all of those types of things. And I think it really has brought us closer together and I think really helped us in our, in our relationship. Yeah, definitely. Well, we like to take positives out of negative situations. So I take that as the positive outcome (laughs) of what was quite a harrowing situation for you. All surgery is inherent with risk, but as we've spoken about your situation being pregnant was very, very complex. Can you just talk us through basically, in very basic terms, how the surgeon then performed your surgery? So an incision, 35 centimetres from top to bottom sort of thing, where they had to sort of have the room basically to be able to remove the womb with the, with the baby in it. And so Ava was outside of my body while they went in and removed the tumour mm. and also installed the stoma as well. It was, as I understand it, I didn't know this before um, I had the surgery, but as I understand it, it was the first time that my surgeon had undertaken that <laughs> undertaken wow. that procedure and I couldn't fault him. Like he just did a phenomenal job and fantastic support from Jacob McCormack and, and the Peter McCallum team. I just felt that was, uh, I was just definitely in the best hands and I felt incredibly fortunate for that. So I've got, go- I've got goosebumps, Kate, and I know your story, but hearing it again, it's it's quite phenomenal and I think these surgeons and the medical profession uh, wow amazing absolutely yeah they were it was fantastic and I feel so privileged to have access to experts like that so as you spoke about before thankfully the cancer hadn't progressed through the bowel wall or to the lymph nodes so it was stage two so you didn't have to have chemo and you didn't have to have radiotherapy However, what was your recovery like after the surgery? Because obviously, you know, you were with child and also, you know, I had keyhole surgery, but as you said, you were cut right down the middle, which is taxing on the body. It was really difficult. It was incredibly painful because I was compromised because I was was pregnant. So the drugs that you're allowed to have is obviously different. 
So um, no endone for you. No, no endone. <laughs> you know, they worked around that, but I was in hospital for seven days afterwards. And I reckon the first five days of that were pretty difficult. I wasn't really even able to walk about two or 300 metres. So it was very, it was very, very physically difficult, more so than I anticipated and I think because you're operating on adrenaline going into that type of operation you're really not you you sort of focus I suppose on getting rid of the cancer rather than what the recovery is going to be like which is probably a good thing but it was physically really really difficult and I relapsed about a month after I had come out of hospital with significant pain and the baby was just going through a really big growth spurt at that stage and I ended up with extremely bad pelvic pain which can be common in people that are pregnant when your baby sort of goes through that growth spurt and your your pelvis has to expand to accommodate them but for me the problem was was that I was extremely internally scarred and also obviously externally as well so I ended up back in hospital for a week and that was just as hard actually as the original as the original sort of surgery and the challenge for me there was I was at the Royal Women's Hospital being treated because I was so far along in my pregnancy by then but they were not particularly familiar with colostomy bags and and the treatment associated with that so then I ended up with a lot of secondary uh, effects associated with really my bowel then not functioning and sort of going into shock because it hadn't been functioning for a couple of days and yeah so it was a real it was a real setback which mentally was pretty challenging as well because I'd been on this sort of upward trajectory and then I had you know it was another sort of good month or so till I was recovered uh, until I was recovered from that as well and then the last couple of months of the pregnancy the sort of last sort of six to eight weeks apart from feeling absolutely massive you know were a walk in the park you know really me you know I was stable you know the cancer was gone uh, the baby was growing well and so the last couple of months were probably you know the more enjoyable part of my pregnancy yeah (laughs) anyone going through that and anyone going through cancer can have their ups and downs and I know you had some wonderful professional help to navigate the diagnosis and the surgery while you were pregnant how did you benefit from this support I did. So we really proactively reached out to the psychiatry services and also the pastoral care services that were available at Peter McCallum and also through the Royal Women's Hospital as well. And it was really beneficial when we were going through it because it was such a mixed bag of emotions for us. We really, I really couldn't be relieved about the baby until the baby was born. So there was a lot of anxiousness in the lead up to her birth. And even though everything was fine and I and I was being monitored very closely, like every fortnight sort of thing, and, and everything was sort of tracking fine. I just I think what a cancer diagnosis does to you, a shock cancer diagnosis does to you, is that it really removes that safety net that you have about how things are going to happen in your life. and Absolutely. So when people say to you that won't happen, you actually you sort of say, well, you actually don't know that because I just got diagnosed with cancer at five months pregnant. Or you'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, and I think that was one of the things I actually talked to the psychologist about and, and the psychiatrist that I saw at Peter McCallum was just the, the shock of being diagnosed and that just the, 
the sort of, yeah, that, that assurance that you, you no longer have that everything's going to be okay. And, and I think that sort of sat with me during the pregnancy, I think. And, and I think now, you know, that Ava's now sort of five months and she's through a lot of those initial sort of gateways as a small baby. And, you know, I feel, you know, that's been able to sort of drop away a bit for me, but I think I proactively sought those services because I, recognize that what we were dealing with was very unexpected but also beyond what someone could reasonably be expected to deal with by themselves and I think the com- the compounding of COVID of being away from my family and you know my traditional sort of support networks and off the back of also losing Lachlan's mother earlier in the year it was accumulating for us as an extremely stressful period. And that hasn't necessarily gone away. I think, you know, 12 months nearly, I suppose, after diagnosis, in some ways it sets in a little bit more. I think the momentum of what you have to decide and what you have to do in those early months after diagnosis carries you through a bit. And sometimes it can hit you a bit harder when you've got the sort of space and time to think about a little bit more. And so I've continued to be really proactive around my mental health, both with my GP and, and, you know, and really making sure that I am focused on it and that, you know, and that I don't, you know, that I don't sort of let it all get on top of me, I suppose. And and that's been a real focus for both of us, actually. And I think it's been something that by being proactive about it rather than reactive has probably been one of the best things, I suppose, that we've done over the last uh, 12 months. It's life skills. We look after our physical health. We need to also look after our mental health and proactively. Baby Ava was born in March this year. Were there any troubles giving birth to her? No. So she was born very healthy via a plan C-section. And the reason why I decided to go with that was because of that relapse a month after the surgery that I mentioned. And no one could really assure me that I would be able to deliver Ava without serious complication, sort of vaginally. And I just on balance, I just sort of considered it was too risky to proceed with a vaginal birth and also to that the benefit of for me for a planned C-section was that, you know, I really got the best surgeon because of the high risk associated with the pregnancy and also that as an added bonus, they were actually able to take Ava out through the existing scar. Oh, wow. And they were able to, yeah, they were able to actually go in and clean up a huge amount of the scar, internal and external scar tissue. So, yeah, so I sort of joke that I also got plastic surgery. <laughs> when I had Ava. And when Ava was born, I mean, having a baby is an emotional and wonderful time for anyone, but in your situation, particularly, what went through your mind as they handed you baby Ava? I didn't know, we didn't know it was a girl, so it was a surprise. We obviously had a huge number of opportunities to find out, but we didn't. And I was so relieved that she was okay. And I just was so proud of her, to be honest, to have gone through cancer with me and a major operation. And I just, I was just fell in love as you do with your child immediately. And I was just so very proud of her that she had survived. And and I really do actually think that if I hadn't have been pregnant, I wouldn't have picked up on the symptoms. And so I really, I feel like I owe her my life as well. Oh. Because I feel like 
she saved she saved me and it's uh, I'm just incredibly proud that I was able to bring her into the world and that she's such a beautiful little baby but also to yourself what an amazing strength that you must have drawn upon and as mothers you do that you do anything for your child but what an inspiration to give birth and you that bond you'll have with her for the rest of your life yeah absolutely my mother calls her she's our little miracle baby and I think that's right (laughs) 100% 100% you also spoke you know in June for bowel cancer awareness month around this topic for us which we're so very very grateful we used are you surprised when your emotions when you chat about it how your emotions reappear Absolutely. And I think really when I did speak with Bow Cancer Australia in June to to raise the awareness was probably the first time that I had really processed what I had been through. And also I think because by that time I had had, had Ava, I also realised what I nearly lost. And I think that will continue with me for the rest of my life, I think, in terms of what we nearly lost. And I think, you know, that's, you know, it's a big motivator for me about why I have wanted to be involved with the work of Bowel Cancer Australia to raise awareness is because I feel so incredibly lucky. And I know being diagnosed with cancer when you are pregnant is, is by no stretch of the imagination lucky at all, but I am able to sit here now and speak to you and I'm healthy and well, and I have a beautiful baby daughter and, and I feel, and I feel lucky and, you know, it's difficult when you hear stories where people are diagnosed much later on in their journey and, you know, through similar issues where they've been misdiagnosed or symptoms have been ignored and that that to me is really sort of quite quite heartbreaking because it's totally unnecessary because you for our listeners you are young you're under 40 you know your experience and my experience echoes so many women and bowel cancer australia talks about being never too young so what is it that you would like young women to know, and I know you've had a number of people reach out to you since that story in June. What is it that you want people to know and get from your story? I think um, for me there'd be a couple of key things. One is that you really need to be active in your in the management of your health no one else is going to manage it except you and that is what I have learned really over these last 12 months even it doesn't matter whether you are at the start of symptoms whether you are you know halfway through treatment or whether you're on the other side of it you've really got to be an active participant in the management of your health and know know what is happening to you inside out because you are the only continual person that will be part of those conversations around your health for the rest of your life. And I think that is something that I have learned to not be so passive in terms of taking what experts might provide you with and you know there's a spectrum there you obviously don't want to end up in sort of hypochondria land but you don't want to google everything dr google is not always the best thing (laughs) but you can be a really sort of active participant in your in the management of your health and that includes being really informed you know and and i feel like i was ignorant in relation to bowel cancer and i 
it's it's difficult because you know a lot of your listeners associated with this will have either you know had bowel cancer themselves or had family members that have had bowel cancer and so I think a big part of our responsibility as either survivors or support people that have been around people that have had cancer is to be, you know, the megaphone for bowel cancer symptoms and to really advocate whenever you hear someone unwell and you think, God, that sounds like bowel cancer symptoms, you know, to really motivate them to get it thoroughly investigated. And I think if we can all try to do that, then hopefully the awareness can grow in relation to bowel cancer because I think to be, you know, to be ignorant around bowel cancer and to be uninformed, it really is a life or death matter when it comes to bowel cancer because it can so quickly progress. And I think that that has been what's been quite scary to understand since my diagnosis was that sort of that two months of, you know, misdiagnosis really could have potentially been fatal for, for my daughter and I. And I just think, you know, to be informed and to be an active participant is the, is the two things that you can really do for yourself, but also your family and friends to try to drive down bowel cancer, particularly in people that, you know, are under 40 or are younger, you know, where bowel cancer doesn't come front of mind in terms of initial diagnosis. Just to backtrack a fraction, you mentioned you had a colostomy bag. I I had an ileostomy bag, the bag that, you know, no Louis Vuitton, but it saved our life. You're scheduled for your reversal very soon. And I've spoken quite a few times about the joy I felt when I had my reversal. How are you feeling about that? I'm feeling really excited because I feel like it is the last step in my cancer, you know, in my current cancer journey, because then I'll just go into sort of monitoring, I suppose, which is much more sort of straightforward. It's a very physical and visual reminder of what I've been through. And so to have it removed, I think will be very liberating, both sort of, you know, physically, but emotionally, as well, it, it's also been quite difficult to manage breastfeeding, to oh. be honest. Yeah, it hasn't. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about the breast. I mean, it's difficult to manage at the best of times, but I didn't even think about breastfeeding. Yeah, and that was part of the, part of the like, we had to consider where to place the mm. bag. Because, I, well, A, I was getting bigger and I needed to be able to see it, but then also sort of with breastfeeding and things like that. So it hasn't been, it hasn't been fantastic to be able to have that while breastfeeding, but we've got, we've got through it. But, um. I'm just really looking forward to, I suppose, having my body back. And it's not that it's been someone else's body for the last 12 months, but I think it will be just really nice to have that chapter closed. So for you, what are the three key points that you would like listeners to take away from today's podcast? I think being informed about bowel cancer and the symptoms, no matter what age you are. I think be active in your own treatment, no matter what stage you are at. I think get in there and fight for what you feel and what you want. There is a lot more options and ability for it to be patient-led now, I think, than ever before. And it's really important that we as people that are, you know, that are having cancer treatment are taking up that opportunity that's now available to us. And I think the third thing I would say is that particularly for for people that are pregnant and if you are experiencing any type of 
any type of symptoms that you are concerned about, then do not take no for an answer and really push and push and push until you get an appropriate diagnosis that prioritise your health and the health of your baby is really the sort of key things from, from my perspective that left with me, I suppose, after, after my experience over the last 12 months. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Kate? I think the other thing I would say is that I found being pregnant and being diagnosed with cancer quite an isolating experience. I didn't know anyone else that had ever gone through that. There was not a lot of information readily available. There was a lot about fertility and cancer, and particularly cancer treatment, but not about the decisions that you have to make uh, when you're pregnant and you have cancer. And so I found it very isolating and I think what I have discovered since particularly since I was involved in the bowel cancer awareness month was there are more it's more common than you think unfortunately and really actively I I wish I had more actively sought out people that had either been pregnant or were pregnant and going through cancer treatment when I was in the midst of it because it's quite a sort of difficult period of your life to go through and to know, you know, I've now, and I now have, you know, one or two women that I now, you know, do converse with and to have their support, even though it's remotely at the moment through COVID has been really reassuring to know that you're not alone and that there is that sort of support out there. So that's, that's the other thing I think I would just reflect on as well, particularly for anyone that might be going through a similar situation to myself at the moment. Kate, it's been such a joy to chat to you and have you share your experience on the Bottom Line podcast. You are a wonderful advocate for our Cancer Australia. And although your story was quite harrowing, it's also quite inspirational. And we're so glad that baby Ava is doing so very, very well and that you're doing very well and that this has a happy ending. So thank you so much for joining us today on the Bottom Line podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to the Bottom Line podcast. To find out more about bowel cancer or for support or simply to donate, please go to bowelcanceraustralia.org.